0: A thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard, it can move anywhere. Waving, concentrate on on sin. Give priority to the detectors and the navigation systems. There is
1: a corridor. And the corridor is time. It surrounds all things. On display,
0: I eventually had to go down to the cellar. That's the display department. With a torch. The lights have probably gone. So had the stairs. Yours is
1: number six. I am not a number. I am a person. Welcome to British Invaders, episode 380. This is the podcast all about British science fiction television. And this time we are continuing our discussion about Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams. This is Brian from Canada.
0: And this is Eamon from England. Hello. Yes, we are looking at television adaptations of 10 of Philip K. Dick's short stories, perhaps some of his lesser known stories brought to the screen. Each is about an hour long broadcast here in the UK on Channel 4 in 2017 and 2018, as well as also being available on Amazon Video in the rest of the world. And there are some very Philip K. Dick themes to discuss as we go along. We touched on some of them last time. We're going to get into some more of them this time. But we have four episodes more to talk about first, Brian.
1: Yes, that's right. And this is very much a show, I think, where the people involved were trying to bring out some of those Philip K. Dick themes that we know, as well as some more current themes. The Father Thing is from a 1954 story of the same name, and it was adapted and directed by the series co-producer, Michael Dinner. And it's about a young boy, played by Jack Gore, who realizes that his father, played by Greg Kinnear, has been replaced by a shapeshifting alien. And, of course, there are some pretty terrifying consequences, and alien invasion themes and so on and even with the scary stuff it's quite a sort of fun stranger
0: things sort of vibe to this episode um, that makes it more one of the more sort of I don't know fun and entertaining one of the episodes we've talked about And I noticed, you mentioned the short story was from 1954, that Jack Finney's novel, The Body Snatchers, was also published in 1954. There was something in the air and water then, Brian, about people being replaced by um, uh, identical but shapeshifting aliens.
1: Yes, I think the emerging Cold War fears of infiltrators and things like that were uh, maybe uh, having an impact on things. Autofac was adapted from the story by the same name from 1955 this one was adapted by travis beecham and directed by peter horton and it is set in this post-apocalyptic community that struggles because they are trying to to make ends meet as a sort of agrarian community and this automated factory that is a remnant of the world that existed before is using up all of the resources and polluting the air and it keeps shipping consumer goods to the to this community that they don't want and is producing all of these things that just aren't being used and it starred Juno Temple and Janelle Monáe. Interesting cast and some
0: interesting moments in that episode. Very much what we're going to be talking about in a few moments. Very much so. It was an interesting one. So two more, uh, Safe and Sound, adapted from the 1955 story called Foster Your are Dead, uh, adapted by Kaylin Egan and Travis Sentel. In a future America that is divided into high-tech, closely guarded and regulated cities, and then these little bubble communities of resistors, an envoy from one of the bubbles comes to live in the city and argue their case for their own independence. But meanwhile, while she's doing the politics, her daughter is distracted By her new high school, and in particular by the lure of a digital assistant that befriends her. Maura Tierney plays the mother, and Annalisa Baso plays the daughter. And again, this, for some reason, Brian, this one seemed one of the more sort of modern and relevant to our current life episodes out of these 10. So this was an interesting one as well.
1: Yes, this one did bring in a lot of modern themes for sure. Kill All Others was adapted by Dee Reese from the 1953 story called The Hanging Stranger. And it has Mel Rodriguez playing a worker in a mostly automated factory who starts seeing or hearing subliminal messages from a political candidate played by Vera Farmiga. And this brings in some issues concerning reality and control and so on and dark political messaging and uh yeah using
0: that stuff to um incite followers and crowds it seems yeah
1: absolutely so those are the episodes we've talked about each one of the 10 briefly now so talking about some of the themes in Philip K. Dick's work identity and being replaced by aliens or machines that are either identical to a specific person or indistinguishable from a person in general that is sort of a major theme we see it in the episodes the father thing and human is and real life and you get those kinds of things in a lot of philip k dick's work famously in do androids dream of electric sheep and its film version blade runner very much so and as you say brian in particularly those episodes
0: here where you get characters who appear to have been replaced by some form of uh, artificial or alien uh, creature that looks and sounds exactly like them and you know, typical Philip K. Dick. Am I a real person? Are these memories that I have real memories? He also had a sort of, I think, distrust of authority and the misuse of authority and political power, but also consumer power, corporations, big companies. And also, uh, I think, the dangers of war features in several of his stories and books. So we see that particularly in the episodes Crazy Diamond the hood maker, particularly in Safe and Sound, I think, where you get this very high tech but very regulated community living in a in a city. And then also in AutoFAC can kill all others um, as well. So again, one of his recurrent
1: themes and quite well brought out in several of these episodes. Yes, definitely. And virtual realities play into things as well. We see that in real life and impossible planet and of course the commuter.
0: Again, this idea, is it <laughs> is this a reality or is this a created one? he loved to explore that stuff in his work and we get to see it here, which is great fun
1: Yes, that sort of questioning of what is real life, is this real or is it not, and is this person a real person is this person the same person they've, they've always been or even am I a real person, am I the same person I've always been, those types of questions are quite central to Philip K. Dick's work and they're sort of what he's known for, and he made those kinds of themes more common and more well known and a lot of them are brought out in these adaptations now, of
0: course, if you're adapting um another writer's work for the screen, there's always going to be the question of what do you keep in from the original sources or what do you have to change to maybe fit or work on television or film or maybe because you just are inspired by the story and want to change things and write your own story based on your sort of memories of reading it but of course this is slightly controversial to say the least Brian with some of the fans of Philip K. Dick's written work Because some of the stories, there are slight changes, like Human Is and The Father Thing, but there's also almost complete rewrites in the episodes Safe and Sound, Kill All Others, Crazy Diamond, and Real Life. And, you know, we touched on this last time. Shall we say that some of this was a touch controversial, Brian?
1: Yeah, some sites did think they were sort of misusing Philip K. Dick's stories or writing their their own stories and labeling as if they were written by Philip K. Dick and so on. So certainly some online reviewers were not happy with that. You could also look at some of those and say that they did present interesting stories. Because it allows the TV writers to write about modern-day concerns like rampant consumerism and digitally tracking and... Limiting access for things for children and so on. And of course, those virtual
0: realities you've talked about, Brian, the ones where, as it, you know, the technology advances and they become more and more indistinguishable from real life, is it possible to lose yourself in a virtual reality and not be able to tell which is which, real or virtual, how it might divorce us from reality and existence? And he touches on that in many of his works. And of course, we see it here, particularly, I think, in the episode, Real Life. Which really runs with that and plays with that idea.
1: Yes, absolutely. And there are complaints about the paperback collection as well because the stories had introductions from the TV writers. So if you read the book sort of in order with the introduction before each story, it's being set up in a way that relates it to the television version rather than being allowed to stand on its own. So there is something to say for reading the stories on their own and reading those introductions afterwards. It's a good point. And I think one that's
0: often made about introductions to any literary works, in a way, Brian, read the work first and then read the introduction it may have spoilers in it
1: (laughs) yes and not only spoilers but it may affect your perspective on the work itself because when you have someone saying this is interesting because of this or this relates to this and so on then it changes how you read that story where if you read it without that uh, you know going in cold as it were then you can have your own perspective rather than what is being added by the person doing the introduction Mm, very good yeah good point i do recommend the paperback
0: I, i you know the short stories they are short they're pretty good stuff But as I say, as we've repeated several times, read the story and then the introduction to them by the uh, screen adapter.
1: Yes, absolutely. So I think this is nicely bringing us into our own thoughts. What did we think about this? So, Eamon, what did you like about Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams? And what episodes stood out to you? So I think there's an awful lot to like about this modern TV production
0: with the money and backing of Sony and Amazon Video to help it. So it looks great. I think it sounds great. We'll talk about some of the cast members in a moment who stood out to us. I like what the writers have done, the production crew. So it, it certainly, it's certainly a very sort of sharp-looking, quite glossy, high-productions value production for us to talk about. I'll talk about some of my favorite episodes in a moment. But yeah, I mean, I think the look and sound and feel of it is very good, Brian. What did you think?
1: Yes, I think that's right. I think it's a well put together show and does have a very nice look and feel to it. I think the direction and how it's shot, it's all sort of done in a very nice way. And the cast in this is really very good. We have both American and British. And sometimes people from elsewhere, but we have some big name people involved. But I think the big name people are all well cast. I think they were all good choices for those roles. You know, everyone from Timothy Spall to Terrence Howard, you know, it's quite. A variety of people they have in here from different acting backgrounds and different generations and so on. And the other cast, the supporting cast and the less well known cast, they were all very good too. So the performances and the cast, I think, stood out here.
0: Yes, great cast. Brian Cranston, you know, Greg Kinnear, you've mentioned, Brian some of these actors involved S.E. Davis is particularly good it's just yeah they've attracted some really high-class actors to these episodes and of course as you say it's them some very impressive writers adapting them for the screen so yeah I think as a production absolutely splendid throughout great stuff great episodes and a great cast to uh, to bring them to the screen
1: what about your favorite episodes, Brian? Which ones stood out to you? There were a few that stood out to me. Real Life definitely stood out with its juxtaposition of two different worlds with the questioning of which one is the real one, which is the dream or simulation, and which is real life, and the characters within each one questioning if they were in the real one or the illusion that was one that i really liked i really liked autofac as well and one or two others safe and sound was very good so you know you have some interesting ideas in here and the actual sort of storylines and presentations There's enough variety that you can find ones that you really like, I
0: think. It has that anthology series thing, as you say, Brian, that, you know, you may not quite like every episode, but you're going to find one or two gems in there that you really enjoy. Safe and Sound was another one for me, I thought, because it was so modern and seemed so relevant to the stuff that we're talking about at the moment, about, you know, digital assistants and how we track our kids and keep an eye on them all the time. That was great. I think the two episodes that get mentioned a lot in the reviews, uh, one is The Commuter, the Timothy Spall episode about the uh, passengers trying to find their way to a town he's never heard of. And the other one is the father thing the Greg Kinnear, the sort of Stranger Things type episode. And actually I have to say I did enjoy both those episodes tremendously. I thought they were great. I thought the stories were great and the cast involved were really good. So I would agree with the reviewers that those are a couple of the standouts.
1: Interesting. I do not lean towards the father thing as much. That wasn't one of my favourites. But The Commuter was definitely very good. And that was an episode that is unlike anything you would see elsewhere i think because the production style and the locations and cast combined are quite an unusual mix and it gives you a really interesting feel very interesting as you say a nice mix on that episode
0: what about human ears with brian cranston and essie davis great combo to act
1: off each other Did you like that one? That one was actually not one of my favourites. Was that one that you enjoyed particularly? I like those two central actors
0: in it. I mean, there's some of the stuff about the sort of military tribunals and this ongoing war is a little bit perhaps strange. And the setting of the far future is perhaps slightly divorces it from what we're talking about but yeah i like that one and i particularly like the idea of you know has he been replaced has he just changed what's going on there very philip k dick stuff so i did like that and of course brian cranston one of the executive producers on this show to sort of help bring it to the screen so that's interesting as well
1: yes and you know very well known and you know, well established and acclaimed uh, actor there too. So, as I say, it's interesting to have people like that on the same series as people like Tuppence Middleton uh, or Timothy Spall. So, it, it is sort of an interesting mix of people involved. Now, I know you wanted to
0: say something about co productions because obviously, this is Channel 4 and i guess all the money of amazon in a video to do you know bring it to the screen as we've said i think there's only two episodes that are obviously set in the uk and filmed here although we know another three episodes were as well is it a problem with some of these productions that are
1: How should we put it? Quite American, should we say, Brian? Well, I don't think it's a problem, but we sometimes do have to look at these uh, co-productions and say, were the decisions that were made on this things that made it seem more like an American production or a British production or a mix of things for different episodes or a blend of the two. And in this case, and because we're covering it, I think it's worth noting that most of these episodes look pretty American. And that includes, you know, decisions about the pacing and, uh, you know, the way it's produced and directed. And it definitely is nice seeing some British elements come in as well. But it is worth noting, especially because we're covering it, that it has a lot of American feel to it. Although we have mentioned that things like The Commuter definitely feel more British. And I think The Hoodmaker, we weren't mentioning it in that context but i think it has a more british tone to it as well with the actors involved and so on
0: yes it does holiday granger and of course richard madden was huge at the time for game
1: of thrones i think having having both of them involved in this series was great too it sort of broadened things out from you know these well-known american actors and so on having some of these episodes where you would have a couple of well-known British actors and you know you get the uh, the types of interactions that you get with uh, those actors and so on I thought that was really nice Yes, and that particular episode The Hoodmaker I thought worked very well that was a favourite of mine also
0: and I guess it sort of explains why Channel 4 perhaps led with that one because they wanted to lead with one of the British themed ones And maybe leave the American actors and American-looking episodes to slightly later, I guess. So I suppose for us, you know, because we are British-themed, British television, it sort of fits for that as well.
1: Yes, and... For the Amazon order, they led with Human Is, which has Brian Cranston and is uh, more American in feel, so that fits for that.
0: Yeah. You probably would lead with Brian Cranston, wouldn't you?
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, and by, by this time, of course, Brian Cranston was incredibly well-known for Breaking Bad and also for some other things. So, yeah, when you have him there especially in the u.s leading off with his episode is not a bad idea no absolutely i'll just give a quick shout out
0: how lovely to see geraldine chaplin on screen i wasn't particularly fond of that episode but she is a standout for me um we don't see her very often these days in productions but she was wonderful i thought
1: yes that was sort of a middling episode for me I enjoyed it. I enjoyed some of the things in it, but it was not as strong as some of the others. So we
0: mentioned the tricky subject of co-production and where the money comes from, and does it make it look more American than British? Um,
1: Are there any other negatives about this show that you found, Brian? Well, we do have to talk about the fact that these are adaptations, and they are... Putting it out there very much in front in the title that these are Philip K. Dick's stories. And we have to ask the question in that context, should they be trying to be very faithful to the Philip K. Dick stories? And are the adaptations that they did sort of, uh, you know, faithful enough to that for us? Uh, so. That's a question that I think we should be asking. I think for me, the way they did it was okay because they were more faithful for some and they were including a lot of philip k dick's themes from his work in general and from those particular stories so i think all of that worked reasonably well i would agree i was
0: quite happy with the adaptations i was quite happy with the changed episodes And the original stories, they're still there. You can pick them down off the shelf and still read them. You can get the digital collection for a fiver. So if you're not particularly happy with the adaptation, the stories still remain unchanged. I quite like the idea of choosing 10 writers or 10 teams of writers and giving them, you know, almost carte blanche to choose a story and then do something with it to make it relevant and modern but still have those strange philip k dick themes of identity and replacement and virtual realities and the fear of you know big corporations or the military taking us over so yeah i thought i was quite happy with it but i know i have to i suppose have to tread carefully i know some of the philip k dick purists are very sort of uh, distressed, I should say, by some of the adaptations going way off the source material. It's a tricky subject, you know. We've talked about some adaptations of some famous stories and books along the way, and it never, it's never going to be quite what you read or quite what you had in your head when you read it. And in some cases here, they've really gone off on a tangent. But I was okay with it myself, Brian.
1: Yeah, I was too. And it's worth noting that they did release the collection of stories. And maybe they should have done something different with those introductions. But they did release that collection. So if you watch this and you want to know more about those stories, or you're wondering how close they were and what the stories really are about, the collection is there. You know, some of these things from the old science fiction magazines, they can be hard to find, and many have been collected in different places at different times, tracking down the individual ones can potentially be a tricky thing and the fact that they collected them and said okay here is the original source material we'll make it easy for you to get a hold of and look at it that i think was a good thing to do i'm glad they did that and i think that goes to the credit of the creators and exec producers of the series. It's a nice focus
0: on the stories themselves. Perhaps they should have put the introductions at the end of the stories, but, you know, it's a nice paperback. And as you say, they've brought attention to the original stories as well, and you can compare and contrast, which is quite fun to do as well.
1: Yeah, so I think really... For me, at least, the only other thing to mention in the negatives is just some of the stories that didn't work quite as well for me. And for me, it was Human Is and Crazy Diamond uh, that really didn't, uh, didn't work quite as well. And then um, the father thing was only so-so for me but you know that's three of the stories so for me the other seven were ranging from enjoyable to ones that i really liked yeah as we said
0: it's an anthology series you're going to like some episodes more than the others there's 10 of them 10 hours of television there is something in there probably for every science fiction fan i guess who will find some better than others i mean i you know Uh, Interestingly, we've picked out slightly different stories as we've gone along, so that just shows. I think there are different stories for different people, and it works in that context.
1: Absolutely. Which were the ones that you did not enjoy as much, Eamon?
0: Uh, So I found The Hoodmaker a strange one to start with, possibly because I'd so recently read the short story based on, and there's a twist in the short story that didn't make it to the screen I thought the Impossible Planet episode was slightly too much um, CGI and special effects magic going on in the background, and I didn't really get into that one. Um, I quite liked Human Is, as I've said. I liked that one. I liked Safe and Sound. Um, I particularly liked... I you know, also liked the father thing, but The Commuter is a standout episode. Yeah, so I think probably the hoodmaker uh, was the one that disappointed me the most.
1: Interesting. So yeah, we definitely have different takes on that, which which sort of showcases that. And I think the themes they were working on with this, uh, the obvious comparison is Black Mirror, and the themes and the approach that they take in their storytelling is different from Black Mirror. It shares the idea of having some U.S. produced shows and some U.K. produced shows and choosing which one was done where very carefully. But the take on things and the sort of themes they were bringing out are quite different so i like the fact that we have those two different kinds of shows out there yeah very much there is some difference in there and there's some stuff for everybody i think along the way yes absolutely so i think we should get into our recommendations eamon do you want to start with this one
0: okay is it my turn i shall say this is a straight thumbs up from me see if you can get hold of it if you can stream it even better but if not the dvd is okay oh okay over here for 14 pounds i really enjoyed philip k dick's electric dreams so i'm gonna absolutely heartily recommend this one to our listeners brian what about yourself
1: okay for me it was slightly a mixed bag but on the whole uh, i did enjoy it there were a lot of very good episodes in there. And I will probably come back to some of those individually rather than watching it through as a whole series again. But there are some lovely uh, little productions along the way. Uh, Not so little, but lovely standalone stories along the way. So yeah, I will recommend this as well. Great
0: stuff. But if you disagree with our take, if you particularly have read the stories and were disappointed at the adaptation or have any other opinion about Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams or can fill us in on a bit more about this fascinating writer, then please drop by the
1: Facebook and tell us. Absolutely. I would love to discuss some things about Philip K. Dick and his work on the British Invaders Facebook group. So, in summary, Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams brought us a series of separate shows, separate episodes in this anthology format, where each one was adapted from a Philip K. Dick short story by a different writer, and each one brought out some of Philip K. Dick's classic themes. Like the ideas of identity and reality and questioning if a person you know is the same person they've always been or if they've been replaced. If they're a real person, questioning if you yourself are a real person or if you've been replaced or not questioning reality, are we in the real world or something else? Lots of these ideas coming through, as well as some more contemporary themes about privacy and digital tracking of people, and so on. All packed into this package of an American and British co-production with episodes filmed on both sides of the Atlantic. Great stuff. Do let us know what
0: you think. And, of course, please do come back next time. It will be October. It's time for Halloween. Our thoughts turn to spooky stories. And so we are looking at a series from the BBC in 1977 called Supernatural, another anthology show, but this one very much on the sort of spooky haunting type variety, Brian.
1: Yes, a very different anthology from what we've been talking about this time. So that will be a fun one to discuss for sure. Until then, you can find us at britishinvaders.com or by searching for British Invaders on Facebook and you can join our Facebook group to get into some of the conversations and read what some of our other listeners have to say.
0: Please do. And please also search for The Voice of Geeks Network. Point your browser at vognetwork.com. Check out British Invaders there and also all the other bits and pieces they've got going on with shows and gaming and uh, live streaming channels and so on. Vognetwork.com for the voice of geeks.
1: Absolutely. So thank you for listening. And this is Brian from Canada signing off. Yes, thank you very much. And this may or may not be Eamon
0: from England signing off as well. Is it me?